Hey there! This is the Evolutions Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that our message makes your week a bit more awesome. See you in church! Okay, so today the title of my sermon is Mad. Mad, okay? And I want to introduce you to a motto, a motto that's becoming a very important part of our vocabulary here in church, and it's make a dent. So many of us say make a dent. Now, we came out with this phrase quite recently, actually uh, just recently within the last one or two years. And, and the reason is because we found whenever we talk about changing our world, now if you don't know, that's also the name of our community services association, our community services arm in church. We have an organization called Change Our World. We didn't ever say Change Our World. Or in short, we call it COW, okay, uh, the name of our community work. And But every time we talk about this idea of change our world, why is young adults often get overwhelmed and they start to think that it takes a lot to make a difference in the world? Yeah. There's this perception, you know, I don't know about you, but there's this perception within millennials that we feel we need to have a lot, we need to be a lot, before we can even begin to matter in this world. You know, how many of you here can relate to that and sometimes feel that way? Sometimes I feel that way too, amen? You know, about the dream that you have, about the destiny that God has for you, that hope that our church will do something great for Jesus. So I just want to encourage you today, right here, right now, that you are already enough. You already have enough. You know, just look at what you guys did over Christmas with the migrant workers. You know, it may seem like something really small just for 60 people, but you made a difference in 60 people's lives. You deposited a little bit of you, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of hope into their spirit. You know, you don't know what someone at that construction team might have been going through that day, especially during the Christmas season. You know, they might have been feeling alone, you know, missing their family, you know, hearing about how Singaporeans everywhere are spending the day with their fam. And, and in a minute, just before you arrived that day, they might have been feeling really down and out. Yeah. But you came in and with that little bit of kindness, you might have just made that day a little bit better. Yeah. So I want to encourage you increasingly. Studies are being done on the science of kindness. And they are actually starting to prove what most of us have already known at the back of our minds. And that is, it doesn't take a lot to change our world. In fact, tiny, small acts of kindness are what causes long-reaching and lasting ripple effects in the world. Ever heard of the phrase called, pay it forward? You know, pay it forward is when you take an act of kindness that has been done to you and you reach out and do it for someone else or maybe two other people or three other people. And so what the science of kindness has found is that when you pay it forward, kindness literally has a multiplier effect. It is not just one plus one. It is a multiplication, an exponential equation. So when you are kind, you actually literally set in motion a multiplier effect around you, in your family, in your school, in your workplace. So let me give you an example to prove my point. Is that okay? So in 2017, a group of psychologists from the University of California decided to study workers from Coca-Cola's Madrid site, okay? 
And so what they did was they told participants that they were going to be part of a happiness survey. And once a week for four weeks, they were asked to report on how they were feeling in terms of mood and life satisfaction. Also, their experiences of positive or negative behaviors in the workplace, including how many positive and negative behaviors they carried out on others and how many others carried out on them. Now, unbeknownst to the participants, 19 of the participants were actually in cahoots with the researchers. And their role was designated werewolves, no, givers. Are you here with me? Whose task each week was to perform acts of kindness towards only some of their co-workers in the experiment group. And to refrain from showing kindness to those in the control group. So it was completely up to them, however, to choose what kind of acts of kindness because researchers wanted to keep the dynamics as real world and as authentic as possible. Now, what happened after a month? Well, after a month, their acts of kindness did not go unnoticed. In the groups, the experiment groups that received more pro-positive social behavior, they in turn in their group started to pay forward more positive social behaviors. And, and, and by the end, over four weeks, the number of positive behaviors reported grew exponentially in the experiment group each week. And by the end, this group reported 10 times more kindness, pro-social behaviors, positive behaviors, and life satisfaction compared to the control group. They reported higher levels of happiness and fewer depressive symptoms. And the community culture and atmosphere in the experiment group literally changed. So, listen, you don't need a lot to change the world. You simply need to make a small dent. And if enough of us make some small dents, it starts to have a ripple effect in the world around us. So, turn the neighbor and say, get mad in 2019. Turn to someone behind you and say, make a dent. So this afternoon, I want to encourage you to go out and make a dent. Next week, Chen Si is going to be preaching part two of this sermon. She's going to be talking about making a difference for the youth, but it's also going to inspire you, okay? So next week, she's going to inspire you. This week, I want to nudge you along by addressing what are some of the thoughts, the things that stop us from actually going out and making a dent. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 6, and we're going to look at a well-known miracle in the Bible, okay? Mark chapter 6, the well-known miracle called Jesus Feeds 5,000. Now actually that title, scholars agree, is probably inaccurate, because 5,000 was only the count of the number of males in the group. They did not come the females and the number of children that were tagging along. So likely most scholars think that actually it was the feeding of 20,000. Wow. Amen. Didn't they ever say, wow, 20,000. Wow, okay, so, so let me go on. Okay, so Mark chapter 6, okay, verse 30 to 42, okay, in the Message Bible I'm reading uh, from there. It says there, The apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all they had done and th- taught, okay? Now Jesus said, come off by yourself, let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going, they didn't even have time to eat. 
verse 22, so they got into the boat and they went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going and the word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot running and got there ahead of them. When Jesus arrived, he saw the huge crowd and at the sight of them, his heart broke like sheep with no shepherd they were. He went right to work teaching them. Verse 35, then when his disciples thought this had gone on long enough, it was now quite late in the day, they interrupted Jesus and said, hey, we're a long way from the country and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction and send these folks off so that they can get some supper. Verse 37, Jesus said to them, you do it. You fix supper for them. They replied, are you serious? You want us to spend a fortune on food for their supper? But Jesus was quite serious. He said, how many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory that didn't take long. Five, they said, plus two fish. Jesus got them all to sit down in groups of 50 and 100. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers spread out on the green grass. I like that picture. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. And the disciples in turn gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish. They all ate their fill. The disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. More than 5,000 were at that supper. Who? Amen? So let's kick it off. Listen, there are four thoughts or attitudes or perceptions, really, that keep us from going out to make a dent. So from being a part of a miracle, a ripple effect that God wants us to bring into this world, okay? And the first thought is this, I am too tired. You know, the Bible tells us that prior to this amazing miracle of the multiplication of food, the disciples had just returned from a ministering trip. And from what is written about it, it sounds like it was a pretty tiring and extensive trip. A lot of work and a lot of people. You know, the Bible describes as there was constant coming and going. They were going out, coming back, going out, coming back. People were coming to them. They were going to them. There was, it was so busy, there wasn't even time to eat. So much so that even Jesus acknowledged it and told them, okay, guys, you know, great job, but now it's time for a break. We all need some rest. And so they decided to take a trip across the straits to Bintan. Okay, and they got into the boat and they went off. So they could be alone by themselves, right? But the Bible says work gets round, and before they can even get to the resort, a huge crowd gathers going, Jesus, speak to us. Jesus, teach us. Jesus, minister to us. Heal us. Make miracles happen for us. And you know what Jesus does? He goes back on his plans to bring the disciples for a holiday getaway. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that. All the leaders are like, (laughs) and he starts ministering to the people all over again. The Bible tells us the disciples are not happy. With his choice, okay? This is verse 35. When his disciples thought this had gone long on, on long enough, it was now quite late in the day, they interrupted Christ. Jesus, we're a long way off and it's very late. Come on, pronounce a closing prayer and send these guys off. So listen, the first killer of making a dent in our lives is the thought that I'm too tired. You know, there are all kinds of reasons why as young adults, we're too tired to love somebody else. 
You know, maybe work is draining our energy. Maybe responsibilities are weighing us down. Maybe there are some things happening in our lives that we're struggling with. You know, occasionally, I want to acknowledge there are certain seasons of our lives where these are all extremely valid reasons. You know, maybe you're in a major work transition and you need some time to adjust. Maybe stuff is happening in your family, an illness, a sickness, and you need to be with them. Maybe you're going through a crisis, maybe even a burnout. You know, two weeks ago, right, we talked about Elijah and he went through a burnout. And I encourage you, God wasn't angry with him. God wasn't upset with him for his depression. In fact, God fed him and carried him through. You know, there are always certain seasons of our lives where there are valid reasons why we don't have the energy to reach out and to sow into someone else's life. But I will say this, if tiredness is our constant complaint, our repeated reason why we can't be a part of loving somebody else, of giving to another human being and being a light for Jesus, then friends, it's time to rethink our attitudes, to question if that is the thought pattern we want determining our choices. Because friend, I and too tired could be a mental pattern that's stopping you from becoming a significant person. You see, when we were in the early days of our church, right, in Kalang days, long, long time ago, pre-church church days, there was a particular a batch of youth that came up in our church that had a lot of issues when it came to serving in ministry. And some of them would sulk as they serve. Some of them would come in unprepared and late. Some of them, you know, just weren't like the others in church who were giving it their all when it came to, you know, building the church. And the thing that I would constantly keep hearing out of this particular group of youth was, I'm so tired. My mind cannot think already. You know, I didn't sleep enough last night. You know, the reporting time for ministry is too early. You know, not enough time to complete the level of excellence that you're asking of me. And so I didn't know what to do, right? And so I went to pray. I was a young pastor then, so not really sure what to do. I prayed. And I said, God, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit put in my mind an idea. We were going to have a ministry training camp. And in this camp, we were going to take away all their watches. So, you know, last time no iPhone yet, you know. <laughs> going to go I, I, iPod and watch, okay? So we we're going to take away all their watches. And for four days, we put everyone in the church through the ringer. Every morning, we woke them up early. In the middle of the night, we had prayer meeting. They did stuff, repaired ministry stuff, listened to sermons and attended sessions. You know, we had things and activities in between to tire them out. You know, have fun, but also tire them out. You know, we had things like honor. The guys would do fun things to honor the girls, and the girls would do fun things to honor the guys who love them. You know, they did quiet time. You know, all this stuff. At the end of the four days, we returned their watches and told them, do you know that in the last four days, you slept less than 12 hours? And this was the standard of loving people and excellence that you are capable of. And something, I don't know what happened, but something shattered permanently in our church and in their minds. And from then on, for a whole year, we never heard any youth say that there wasn't enough time to be great for God. There wasn't enough time to give people their best. 
And that's the only time we've had to do that in our church. Never done it again. But subsequently, we have actually carried that on in our worship team in our church. You know, every worship team that's rising up in our church has to go through a similar camp where we bring them in, we wake them up in the middle of the night, don't tell the third band, because <laughs> they are going to go through the first time this year. We wake them up in the middle of the night, we get them to pray, we get them to chat, to learn a new song in one hour, and, and, and something breaks in their mindset. So, friend, I want to say to you, all the young adults here, ever so often, you need to stop and ask yourself, is my tiredness valid? Now, if so, then get some rest. Then after you rest, get up and keep going. But I find more often than not, the thought, I'm too tired, is really a false perception that traps us in our current level of capacity. A mental habit of complaining that you and I have that maybe we picked up at work because that's what working allows like to do, right? And it keeps us from getting outside of our comfort zone. You know, guys, listen, wasn't Jesus as tired as the disciples? Of course he was. He was God, but he was fully man. And he was probably even more tired than the disciples. Because the people that wanted to come, you know, they wanted to see Jesus, not the disciples. But in that moment, when the people came out and the needs presented themselves, Jesus chose to extend his capacity. He had a whole holiday lined up, but he went, you know what, I'm tired, I'm hungry, but I can go on a little bit more. You know, the disciples could have done the same, been a part of the difference that Jesus was choosing to make, but they refused. They decided to stubbornly hold on to the thought, happy, I'm too tired. And it began to affect their attitude. I mean, look how they responded, right? They said, when, when the disciples looked at Jesus, they went, oh, this has gone on long enough. You know, I can imagine they're sitting there in the heat and watching the sun go down. He said, this has gone on long enough. It's out very late in the day. They, in, they were so pissed off inside. They interrupted their pastor. Who? They interrupted Jesus. We are a long way out of the country, and it's very late. Come on, get on with it and send them off. Can you imagine? Now, you got to picture this with me very clearly, right? Jesus is there with 20,000 people. He's teaching some amazing sermons. He's healing the sick. People are getting up. They cannot walk. They can walk. People that are blind are seeing he's doing miracles. And instead of being a part of the atmosphere... That change that was occurring in the world around them. The disciples said, Jesus, stop it. Stop the preaching. Stop the miracles. And the loving people, it's gone on long enough. (laughs) Say a closing prayer and send them off. Can you imagine? They said that to Jesus. To God. Are you here with me? Now, you may think, come on, Pastor, if I were there, of course I would never say something like that. Jesus, these guys... (laughs) But friend, we do. All the time, we do it to God. Every time we're tired and we say, let's tone down this vision. You know, not because it's the wise discerning choice, but we say, let's not be so radical, this let's be friends campaign in January. Christmas was already very exhausting. We don't need to go full speed. Are you here? You know, every time we say, I'm too tired, you know, or, or, or we go, 
Hey, come on. I paid my dues. I, I was ministering, coming and going nonstop the past few weeks, the past few months. You know, the past few years of this church, I have paid my dues. You know, that's probably what the disciples were thinking. Hey, I've done my part. I've been ministering hard for a long time. Let someone else do the loving people. You see, when we let I'm too tired circulate in our mind, it starts to sour our heart. And we start to come to church and we come to God and we come to people with a sour attitude. We, we spoil the atmosphere that God has created, the miracle that God has created. We, we spoil the drive in our connect groups of the people who want to keep going forward. And without realizing it, not intentionally, because when we're in a mode, we don't realize, right, that we're doing it. We're getting in a way of change that Jesus is already making. The change in the world that he's making that he wants you to be a part of. You know, all the young adults here, don't let I'm too tired stop you from making a dent. Don't ever let tiredness be the reason you scale down your love. Because Jesus is already moving and he wants you to be a part of it. But you must exercise that thought, I'm too tired. You know, so many people throw away their opportunity to be significant because they told themselves that they are too tired to love, to serve, or to make a dent. Amen? I'm too tired. Second thought that stops us from making a dent is this. Let's be practical. So when the disciples thought this had gone on long enough, they said, we're a long way out. So, so listen to this. We're highlighting different parts of the verse now. We're a long way out in the country. It's very late in the day. Send these folks off so that they can go and get their own supper. Now, if you look at that, right, isolation, there's really nothing wrong with that advice. There's nothing wrong with being practical. There's nothing wrong with planning, with strategizing, with budgeting. It's a necessary skill when you want to make a difference. It's helpful to be practical when you go out to love people. We have to be practical and think what is going to help the migrant workers before we came out with what we're going to give to them. But how many of you also know that a huge part of love is never practical? That very often radical love is exactly that description. It is radical. You know, love is often a bit impractical, slightly crazy, somewhat off the rocker, unreasonable even. You know, I've never met a guy who chased a girl and say, oh, my love for you is reasonable. And girl like, okay, cool, I don't want to date you, and that's also reasonable. <laughs> it's exactly that part of love that makes it so impactful. It is not reasonable or sensible sometimes you know have you ever stopped to ask yourself guys why on earth we follow jesus i mean your friends ask you every now and then right i mean because it's so ridiculous that we will sit here on church every single saturday to come and worship god and then we'll go to connect group and then we'll serve our ministry and then we'll give our time to all this you know it's so ridiculous but why do we do it because we've received radical love Jesus' love for us is so ridiculous and outrageous. We were sinners, and yet he, God, chose to die for us. You know, it's crazy. And that is why if you've truly experienced God's love for you, you're also a little bit crazy for him. Because love isn't practical sometimes. Making a dent isn't always going to be practical. 
So how have you known Zihan, right? Let's give Zihan a big round of applause. Woo. So Zihan is one of our YA leaders here in church, and he's a wonderful leader. Wonderfully pastoral, great team player. You know, so many times when the team is exhausted and he himself is exhausted, you know, you'll hear the story and they'll tell you, you know, but he's the one lifting the rest of them up. He's also a fantastic department head. And today, because of him, I was just looking at the, the deployment roster this week, and because of him, he raised up four leaders in the church experience team this year. Ming Xian, Gareth, Ting Xiang, Yan Ni, and all of them were not the most confident, not the most people people, and yet today they are ICs in the church experience team. The top ashes in the church. Why? Because of this guy. But let me tell you a little story about him, is that okay? So when he was a youth, about 17 or 18 years old in our church, I got him to help organize a camp uh, for us. And he was very inexperienced at the time. And so we ended up having a huge backlog on the preparation and the planning. So the night before the camp, he had to stay up really late to finish the paperwork. And I was also pretty tired that week because that time I was leading CGs, I was training worship team, it was a holiday school holiday, so I was really, really busy. And I was prepping the sermons for the camp. There was about eight, nine sermons of curriculum for, those, uh, for, those, uh, for that camp. And, and but he was, so I was done, but he was up. And we were on MSN. Anyone remember MSN? <laughs> If the youth were here, they won't get these jokes, you know. So now it's good that we have an adult service, right? Because we understand each other. <laughs> so we were on MSN. Actually, my time even worse. It was some other thing. Like, oh, oh, okay. Anyway, so, so I was tempted in that moment. It was about 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. Oh, can I leave him to settle this himself? And I'll check back on it in the morning. So I even typed to him, I said, Suhan, you think you can settle this on your own? And he replied, yes, Pastor Ken, no problem. But as I was about to log off, I could feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me. You need to stay up with him until he finishes. And I was going, seriously, Jesus? <laughs> you know, but I could feel it in my spirit. God saying, you need to be radical in how you love him. Yeah. Not tomorrow, not another day. Not when you're feeling rested, but today. And I remember, and I think to myself today, you know, I remember this being a huge turning point in Zahan's life. Because at that time, he wasn't actually a super committed Christian in church. And suddenly after this camp and staying out with him and doing it with him, he became committed to church. He used to be a very angry kid, but something in him switched. And he started to rise up. He started to get serious with God. He became a leader in our house. And today, guess what? One of the most powerful things about Suhan that people will say is he is always with his people. If they are doing something, no matter how tired, how busy he is at work, he is here with them. If, If the rest of the team is up late at night in the office settling things, he will just sit there, he will do his work there, and he will be with people. You see, was it practical? To stay out with him that night. Listen, I had to preach for the next four days at the camp. No, it wasn't. But sometimes making a den in someone's life isn't practical. It's radical. Is it practical for Zihan to always be here in church? Is it practical for his work? Is it practical, you know, for training? No, it's not. But sometimes love is radical. So I want you to understand this about making a den, guys. You know, that idea, let's be practical. Listen, practical planning, strategizing, leadership is all an important part of impact. 
But a huge part of making a dent is not practical. You know, making the time to hand-pack encouragement packs for your colleagues isn't practical. It's easier to just buy something or to come in in the morning, pat them on the back and say something nice. Why do you go all the way? Why? Because you want to leave a dent. You know, it isn't practical all the tertiary students here to make exam packs for your friends while you are still studying. You know, especially the uni people, right? When it's time to give exam packs, everyone is on study break. You know, come on, Pastor, we're on study break. No one is in school. You know, it's so hard to bring the exam pack to them. It's more practical to give them a stress pack at the beginning of the year, the beginning of term. Yes, but it wouldn't mean as much to your friend. You see, God asking you to make a dent isn't always going to be practical. It will not be the most convenient or the most common sense, but it will leave a mark. Amen? So let's go on. I'm too tired. Let's be practical. The third thing that we often stop ourselves with is there isn't enough. Anyone can relate to the picture behind me? Especially in RF period. Amen. Listen, a lot of times we say to ourselves, hey, pastor, there isn't, there just simply isn't enough to make a dent, much less make a difference. Hey, listen, you're preaching to the choir over here. You don't need to tell me. You know, can I be honest? One of my goals this year is to stop telling God, myself and my team, that there isn't enough to make a dent with justice in our church. So how many you know, right now our church has three core focuses, right? And they are number one, youth, number two, creativity, and the third is justice. So for the last seven years of our church, I have told myself, one day when we have money, one day when we have enough numbers and people, one day when our church is more established, one day when we have the expertise, one day when all our ducks are in a row, then we will do justice. But you know what I realized in seven years? You know what I realized when I sit down to reflect? I realized that you really don't need that much. You don't need to have enough before you do justice. In fact, if you keep telling yourself that, you will never get around to it. So, so these past few months, this period in the history of our church often crosses my mind. And I think it's God reminding me Not just reminding, but exercising that wrong thought. Getting rid of that wrong thought pattern in my brain. That there isn't enough for us to make a significant impact. You see, the Bible says that the disciples came to Jesus, telling them, telling him, send the crowds away so that they can get food and settle themselves. But this is what Jesus replied to them. Jesus said to them, you do it. You fix supper for them. And they replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? So, so here's the disciples, right? They started off with the thought, I'm too tired. Then they, they dressed up that I'm too tired thought and attitude with, let's be practical, Jesus. All to avoid doing more. And I love Jesus, right? He has just this great way of indirectly turning our attitudes and patterns on their head. He says, no, you do it. <laughs> you fix supper for these 20,000 people. And the disciples are stunned. What? Jesus, are you for real? It's going to cost a fortune. There isn't enough. Now, here's the thing I want to bring across. 
Now, we don't know if there really wasn't enough. The Bible isn't clear. It doesn't write in detail enough what's literally actually going on. Whether they had money in the ministry fund to feed 20,000, but disciples didn't want to spend that money. Or if it was actually, the fact of the situation was that there was no money and they were just giving Jesus attitude. Now, let's address the first option, okay? Now, the first option, that there was money, but they didn't want to give it, has to do with attitude, which would be the same root problem as I'm too tired, okay? Whether or not we are willing to give, that's the bottom line. So we don't really need to address that, all right? Okay? But the second possibility is really what is more interesting to us. Because it would mean they had no money. And when Jesus said, you feed them, they were like, but it will cost a fortune. And what they were really saying is, God, your idea is too big for our resources. So listen, there's a big difference between making a dent in the world without God and making a dent in the world with God. You know, if you make a dent in the world without God, the extent of your vision will always be limited by the resources that you have. You can only do as much good as the money that you have, the time and energy that you have, the people you are able to master, the resources that you own. But the second, and that is kingdom level madness, doesn't depend on your limited resources. It is based on God's unlimited power. You see, I find it funny. The disciples have been following Jesus around for two, two and a half years by the time this incident happens. They had experienced God's goodness. They had just come back from multiple ministry trips, so they had seen miracles, supernatural work. But yet something limited and old remained in their thinking. Despite having seen God's unlimited power, they were still setting their goals, crafting their vision based on limited resources. You know, guys, doesn't that sound like most of us here? We are seeing God move. We have experienced supernatural miracles. We have witnessed God at work in our lives and the lives of our friends here in church. We have prayed and seen answers, doors open. And yet, at the beginning of the year, when we sit down to think about what we want to dream of for 2019, we set our goals by calculating what resources we have. Instead of crafting our vision and our dreams based on our experiences of faith in God's unlimited power. You know, it's the weirdest thing. That unless we as disciples consciously choose faith, we will always default to choices and visions and dreams that are limited by limited resources. So you got to stop and realize something. And that is you serve a God who can make something out of nothing. That's how he created the universe. You got to understand, you serve a God that can take five loaves and two fish and multiply it to feed 20,000. You know, what vision and dream are you, what kind of dent are you dreaming out for your 2019? Is it a dent you are dreaming out based on the account, your balance book of time and energy and money? Or is it a supernatural dent? One that you dreamed of understanding that you have an unlimited God backing you up. Yeah. 
You know, is your dent something you can do on your own? Or is it something that you need God? Is your dent crazy, radical, and cool because it's bigger than you? Is your den awesome because it will require you to experience God creating a miracle? What kind of den have you been dreaming up for 2019? You know, don't say there isn't enough. Don't say there isn't enough for me to do this. Say God has more than enough for me to do this. But let's take it deeper, is it all right? So obviously in this moment, Jesus, moment, Jesus is challenging them, challenging their preconceived attitudes and notions, the patterns that they don't realize that they have. And guess what? Their notions start to put up a fight, a last fight. <laughs> right? And so here comes the final blurt from them, right? And it is, it can't be done. So they go, you can't be serious, Jesus. Are you really proposing we feed them with what? Our non-existent fortune? Right? Yeah. But the Bible says Jesus, he was quite serious. He said, how many loaves of bread do you have? Go take an inventory. So he knew that wasn't enough, right? It didn't take long. Five, they said, plus two fish. Now, I don't think they actually went to survey the 20,000 people. I think it would have taken it a long time. I think this was their attitude, right? They didn't even bother. They said, here, five loaves, two fish. You can get a sense of the attitude, right? I mean, come on. I'm sure these guys could feel a miracle coming. Jesus is about to pull a Jesus. I mean, they've seen it happen. Are you here with me? This is not the first time Jesus went, oh, you are little faith. Watch what I'm going to do. But here's where we see the power of our habitual thoughts and attitudes. They don't want to let go of us. They don't want us to stop speaking to ourselves, I'm too tired. Let's be practical. There isn't enough. And you know what? So the next thing we start to talk ourselves out of doing mad things, we say it can't be done. You know, tiredness, ultra-pragmatism, limitation, and now skepticism. You know, skepticism, you know what it is? It's the Christian term for it is unbelief. Faithless. You know when the world stops changing? When human beings become faithless. You know when the world changes? It's always when somebody dares to have faith. That impossible can be possible, that the world can be different than what is. When they start to believe in something crazy. So friend, I want to encourage you this year, don't be faithless. Don't say I'm too tired. Don't say let's be practical about this. Don't let yourself entertain there isn't enough, that it can't be done. Because that's when you take yourself out of changing the world together with God. It's not that the world is not going to change. In fact, Jesus is always about to do a miracle. In fact, you know what? You couldn't stop Jesus even if you wanted to. In this case. With or without you, Jesus is about to change the world. The question is... Whether you get to choose to be a willing participant. To be one of the dents that God uses to create the miracle. So here's the great thing about about hanging out with the right God and the right crowd, okay? The great news in this story is this, okay? If we just keep hanging out with the right God and the right people, we will get to experience a witness change. For sure. 
Okay, because here it goes, verse 40 and 44. Despite them, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples, the people who didn't believe him. And the disciples, in turn, no choice, right? They've got to obey Jesus. They are in his team, right? So Jesus says, go give them. Okay, fine. And so he did the same with the fish, and they all ate their fill, and they, they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers. More than 5,000 were at the supper. So here's the thing about God. As long as you don't walk away, you'll get to see some amazing things. Maybe even get roped in to feel a part of things. But why be forced to change our world when you can willingly make a dent? So, you see, there's a part of this incident that Matthew did not document, okay? Uh, Matthew's version, which is what we just read, it just looks like everybody in the team had no faith. Everyone in the team had an attitude problem, were unwilling participants in one of the greatest miracles ever recorded. But the Gospel of John, John actually fills in a couple of missing pieces to the story. And it says in John 6, verse 8 to 9, it says, One of the disciples, it was Andrew. Everyone say Andrew. Andrew. Brother to Simon Peter said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. So listen, the five loaves and two fish came from a little boy. Whew. And there were actually, in the story, two people who stepped forward to work with Jesus. Andrew, he was tired and had an attitude problem like everybody else, right? He also felt, a hey, limited resources. But in that moment, I think like the woman of the issue of birth, instead of listening to his fear, he chose to entertain his possibility. Instead of acting on his fear, he acted on possibility. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, Jesus, here's this little boy. He has five loaves and two fishes a drop. But you're asking for food. Here's the food. So he's still going to shake his mental habit and his behavior. But he decided to act in faith instead of hanging back. Yeah. Yeah. And here are the five loaves and two fish. Now the second person of faith in this story was a little boy. Now I highly doubt, I know a lot of people say this was the boy's lunch. The boy offered Jesus his lunch. <laughs> but can I just be frank? Who eats that much? <laughs> right? And here's the thing, the people who were following Jesus were mostly poor people. No way one kid could afford five loaves and two fish for one meal. So I suspect this kid actually sold food for a living. Which makes his offering to Jesus, his willingness to participate in this miracle even more precious. Because he was probably just as tired as the disciples, if not more, from a whole day, a whole life of selling food to make ends meet for his family. He of all people had every reason to be practical about this. If he gave away his food, there would not only be no money, he would also have to answer to his parents who had sent him out to sell the food. He of all people had a reason to say, not enough. But he decided to offer what he had to Jesus. And through him, this little boy, with this tiny offering, Jesus made a miracle happen. The impossible happened. One dent, that thing that Andrew describes as a drop in a bucket, changed the world. Their small offering to God multiplied. You see, 
Guys, why do we tell ourselves, I'm too tired, let's be practical, there isn't enough, it can't be done? Really, these phrases are symptoms of the same problem. A problem that stops most of us here from being a little radical, a little mad, is this belief that what we have to offer is too small to matter. That's what social media keeps telling us, right? You got to be a Bill Gates. You got to be, you know, Facebook to make a difference. You got to be a star, a celebrity with billions of dollars to make a difference. And so we're having this drummed into us. And as Singaporeans, right, we only recognize success. So we got to be the top. We got to be really rich before we can even try to do philanthropic work. So we have this constantly drummed into us, you know, millennials, we want to do something, but we don't dare do it because we have this belief that what we have to offer is too small to matter. So as much as we try to do good, we try to do good, be good Christians for Jesus, we get tired because we're constantly swimming against the words of society. You know, we're constantly swimming against this culture that is selfish, self-absorbed, self-reserving. Our idealism starts to fade and we become pragmatic. You know, the young adults here, we start to go, let's be practical. God, that's not enough to go around. And if those thoughts keep turning in our brain long enough, eventually, you know what, we become the skeptics that we hate to see in our parents. Change the world, change our world. Come on, young person, be practical. Talk to me in 10 years' time and let's see what you have to say. God will create a miracle, it can be done. We start to tell ourselves that what we have is too small to matter. We get a little too grown up. And you know what Jesus said? No one can inherit the power of the kingdom of God unless they become like a child. So all the young adults here, I want to warn you, you will get tired. Life is tiring. Our bodies and our faculties are finite. But Jesus was human too and he kept going. And I believe God will give you strength to keep on going. To be a person of integrity and selflessness even when everyone else isn't. And as you go along, let me tell you, let me prepare you, it will be tempting to get pragmatic. You know? That's why I love being around young people all the time because they keep challenging my preconceived notions that we got to be practical. You know, I have made it a point myself. I'm never going to say to you, talk to me in 10 or 20 years' time and see what you say. You know, we're still good Christians. You know, we still love God. You know, but sometimes we go, I still love God, but I've become realistic in what I think is possible. But I hope you don't ever get to that place. Because I think that will mark the downfall of Revival Nation. You know, I hope that despite me being like that, that God will still choose to teach me a lesson where Jesus will turn to me and say, you fix the problem. You feed them. I like God. You know, he's not intimidated by our faithlessness. But he's not afraid to turn it around either. So as you go along, it will be easier to become a skeptic to stop believing that miracles can happen. But I want to encourage you. God doesn't want you to stop there. You see, you know, there's still, you could still be Andrew. You could still be the little boy. That's great news. And even if you aren't, God is willing to teach you if you're willing to listen. Yes. Amen. 
So, so listen, don't let the devil lie to you that what you have is too small to matter, too small to offer to God. Because God isn't looking for you to turn the world upside down on your own. He's simply asking you to make a dent and do your part. So can I end with a story? So there was an old man who had a habit of walking along the beach every morning before he started his day. And on this particular day, he looked across the beach and it was speckled with large and small stars of different colors. What had happened was the night before, there had been a huge storm along the beach and the crashing waves had churned up thousands of starfish onto the shore and then the waters retreated back into the ocean, leaving these starfish stranded on dry land. Now, in the distance on this particular morning, he could see a tiny figure dancing around the shoreline, going towards the sea and back again, going towards the sea and back again. So he walked over and as he got closer, he noticed that the figure was actually that of a young boy. And that what he was doing was not just playing around the beach, not just moving back and forth. He was reaching down, picking up starfish, running and throwing them back into the ocean. He came up to the boy and said to him, good morning. May I ask what it is that you're doing? The young man looked up and replied, throwing starfish into the ocean. But why? Asked the somewhat confused old man. The young man replied, the sun is up and the tide has gone out. If I don't throw them in, they will die. Upon hearing this, the old man laughed and commented, but young man, do you not realize that there are miles and miles of beach and there are starfish all along every mile? You can't possibly make a difference. At this, the young man bent down, picked up yet another starfish, threw it into the ocean, and as he met the water, he said, it made a difference for that one. So listen, God isn't looking for you to turn the world upside down on your own. He's simply asking you to make a little dent. To exercise your faith and do your part with what you have. Even if it's five loaves and two fish. Amen? So today, will you tell yourself in 2019, I'm not going to live in tiredness. I'm not going to let being practical determine my vision and values. I'm not going to get scared off by not having enough in my bank account. I'm not going to be faithless and skeptical when God asks me to step out in faith and believe for a miracle. I'm not going to tell myself or let the devil tell me that what I have and who I am is too small to matter. I'm going to offer my little self and my five loaves and two fish and believe that God can change our world. Yes. Are you here with me? Come, let's stand to our feet and let's pray.